G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, it's Jason Stevens and welcome to the Spirit of Sport. Hope you've had a great week and enjoying the program. We've had some great guests, just to name a few. Steve Waugh, Justin Langer, Jeff Ogilby, Margaret Court. Boy, did she have some great feedback. But my next guest, I'm very excited about, I've got to say. We met at the mighty St. George Dragons before he moved overseas to play in the English comp, where he had phenomenal success. He's one of the pioneers of rugby league when it comes to Indigenous players, running off the back of some of the greats, like the big Artie Beetson, the best front rower the world has ever seen, and Eric Sims, who's also a legend. Rugby league owes so much to our Indigenous players. And off the field, he's off the field. He's heavily involved in Oztag, which is one of the fastest growing sports in Australia. Actually, he formed an Australian Indigenous Oztag team, which I'd love to talk to him about. He's also a director at the Clontarf Academy, which is at Endeavour High and across Australia. Actually, nurturing many young athletes who have gone on to hit the big time. Can't wait to talk to him about that. He comes from music royalty, would you believe his father is Cole Hardy, who was dubbed the gentle giant of country soul. He was the first Indigenous person to win a golden guitar at Tamworth. What an absolute legend. Jeff Hardy, welcome to the Spirit of Sport. Hey, Steve-O, mate. It's great to to be on on with you, and it's just great to chat with you, mate, and catch up again. Thanks so much, mate. Now, now before we get into it... uh, because I know you're in a little, uh, a little break. You're a busy man. You've got so many endeavours, and you know you've got family situations, which I want to talk about later as well. But we ask some uh, a top ten questions. So whatever comes to mind first, just shoot, and uh, we'll go from there. You ready? Yeah, sweet as. Let's fire. Bit of getting to know you type stuff. What was your first concert? First concert, mate. I can remember um, going to a Charlie Pride concert for uh, for those country and western. My dad's obviously country and western. And- it would have been in the 70s I went to a Charlie Pride concert. And lucky enough, he just passed away just recently. That's why it comes to mind. Yes. We went down and saw Charlie Pride play again at Wollongong only um, 18 months ago when he was over 80. So I saw him in the 70s and I saw him again in the, in the 80s with Dad. And um, he has been a big part of our lives, singing his songs and watching his music. So he was my first concert. Wow, Following that one. Yeah, yeah, following that. I think Billy Joel might have been one of my first concerts after that. Which one, sorry? Billy Joel. Billy Joel, I saw him in concert, yeah. He was yeah. fantastic, mate. Awesome, awesome. First job? First job, mate, I, I did the milk run around uh, Alloy Hurstville there for, <laughs> for, for, for a little bit. And then I, when I was at school, I worked down at the uh, Rockdale uh, Tip where people come and I, I was doing the cash of cans where people bring their aluminium cans in, I weigh them and give them their yeah, did it. cents or dollars. That's what, that's, what my, that's, what my brother, that's what my brother and I did. Yeah, I did it. You did Mate, it? I did it in the 80s, yeah. Oh, my God. We were in, we were in the uh, corner of West Botany and uh, West, uh, I think it was, um, yeah, West yeah, Botany Street. Yeah, just off West Botany Street. Yeah, you just off West Botany. That's right, that's right, in the petrol yep. station. Yeah. You had to climb up. Um to, to you know, put the, the the cans the cans in. I couldn't climb up. I was too heavy. My brother was doing all the heavy lifting. But did, <laughs> did you have the did you have people that were like we used to get stung by bees left, right, and center because you know it was just all 
the left. All, the, all the cans. All the cans. <laughs> all the sugar. All did, the beef. Did you, get, did, you get, did you get people like <laughs> filling, filling water in the can so it weighed heavier? Did you? Oh, all, the, all little tricks. Little lead sinkers, <laughs> sinkers, and fishy sinkers. Because mine would just come in a bag and then you chuck them in the big hesha bag and then you just weigh the hesha bag that's on right. a whole hook. Yeah, that's on right. A whole hook on the scale. Yeah, that's what we and did. So they come in, and if the bag got wet, well, it weighed heavier anyway. <laughs> that's right. That, that, that's that's what we did. But then didn't you have to climb up the top and, and dump it all in? Then the big tr- yeah, yeah, yep, yep. After that, that's right. Oh my goodness, that brings back some memories. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the same job. <laughs> oh, that, I've never met anyone else who's who's had that job. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I must have been going all right. They offered me a full time job after that. I thought, oh, no, I'm right, I'm right. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because, you know, and also the Rockdale tip, um, we lived yep. we lived right behind the tip. And they, yeah, well, and they made it yeah. into a park then, eventually. Um, yes. And we remember my brother and I used to run out there, and, you know, that you'd be getting cut by glass, and <laughs> there was always this leftover debris from the tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah. Hey, what, there you go. What's your most embarrassing moment? Uh, my most embarrassing moment, mate. I, too many to think of. I, I, I honestly, I couldn't think of one. Um, yeah, nothing. I'm not sure. You got nothing? No worries. Yeah. That's all right. For what's your favourite movie? Man, I couldn't go past the Rocky series. Had massive, like, like I think with you as well. Had a massive impact on me as a young fella, and stuck with me. The tunes are still on my playlist now. It's unbelievable, yeah. isn't it? The, the whole, the whole story, the whole story the whole of even story. how he got it up, how he got the yeah. film up. Yes, yes. And just the character, I think it resonates with everyone. You know, getting off the canvas, fighting hard, coming back against the odds, against the favourites, being the underdog. Oh, you know, and coming through. Like, everything about it, rags are riches. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, that's true. He, he, and uh, he actually, he's on Instagram, and um, he did a post recently where he went back to the door of where Adrian's house was, where he's knocking on the door and trying to, you know, yeah. trying to woo her. Yep. And you know, he went there yep. and he and he just said it's still there, and you know, and he just he he said you know something's never changed, and he just says keep punching, keep punching. But when he says it, like wow. it, says, it says shivers down your spine because it's. Yeah, him, right. you know, and you see the story of how he came from. Yeah. nothing. no, I'm with yeah. you. Mate. I'm with you. It's my. It's 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 amazing, amazing series. I'm so glad they re they brought back the, you know, it's obviously the with a different um, storyline, but um, yeah, the current ones they've, they've done it justice. I thought they've they've been good too. Yeah, they have. They have, but the early ones the were early, the original. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't go close. What, do you have yeah. a pet, do you have a pet hate, Jeffro? Pet hate. I reckon I dislike smoking. I just you know I don't I, I you know I, I don't mind if people smoke, but just the actual act of smoking is you know the smoke. I just don't like it. Did That's you ever, a dislike? Did you ever 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 have a word to Ricky Warford in the change rooms after the? Um... <laughs> do, you remember, <laughs> do you remember this back in the day? They used to have a smoke in the change room. <laughs> do you remember that? Pretty lines and those lines. Pretty lines. Oh, they had yeah. plenty of darts. Always. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and still fire. <laughs> What's a person from history you'd like to have met? Um, I reckon Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Just a great leader. What he went through. It'd be a great to sit around and have dinner and have a yarn with him in a yarning circle, I reckon. Is this something you wish you were better at? Um, yeah, probably housework. 
Oh, too funny. I, I, I do, I do miss. You do but miss. I still can't, I still can't fold a fitted sheet. Oh, really? Someone do that. <laughs> I've just, I just started ironing again because, you know, like I just had it too good, and I, I just said to, I, I, I know, I, I knew how to iron, but my wife didn't know, and I just kept it. Eleven years, I've kept it a secret. Now I'm just like, now that she knows, it's just like, it's every couple of yeah. days, Jeffrey. There's something. <laughs> But going with the housework, I take cooking. So I was a better cook. Like, oh, I'm very yes. limited. Very limited in the kitchen. Yeah, same here, same here. Hey, what's yeah. the th- what's the thing you did growing up that uh, made your parents the most upset? Uh, it'd have to be throwing balls in the house. I reckon breaking. Always had a, always had a footy breaking things, breaking knocking things, things over, yeah, 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 yeah. balls over fences, <laughs> windows, you name it. Oh boys, mate! We just loved it. We always had we always had extras over at our house. Uh, it was always a game on. Living right near Scarborough Park, oh. get out of the park, go out of the park. What a great, what a great place you lived. What a great place. Yeah, you lived. yeah. What's what's the biggest thing you've been nervous about? Um, I don't know. Probably early days getting up and speaking. You know, I did teaching and getting up and, and teaching and speaking. Um, it's something that doesn't come real natural to most people. Mm. So mm. overcoming that, I reckon. Um, but now, you know, 50 years down the track, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. All, I'm all right with it. Yeah, faced it and, and did it and enjoy it now. What's a lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Um, oh, yeah, it's a tough one. Um I reckon there's been plenty. Um, I'm still learning, obviously. We're all lifelong learners. But probably just how to say no. Yeah, yeah. How to say no. Like, I, you, you try to please everyone all the time. And you say, yes, yes, yes. And you probably you let people down more so than... Mm. And it's, it's sort of been, I'll say, no, I just can't do it. Yeah. Because you want to do everything. So yeah. how to say no, I reckon. It's, hard, it's a hard... That's a, that's a hard one. It's, it's something that I even struggle with today because you want people to like you too you know <laughs> you that, exactly. that feeling that 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 tension when you say no is sometimes hard and you, you do get better yeah. at, you do get better at it if you could say but um yeah it's it's, it's been uh, a long it's been a long time <laughs> yeah it's been, i know i know it's it's a it's a difficult one just even you know forming boundaries in relationships and you know, it's, yeah. it's it's something we were never really taught. You know, at school or no, that's right. You know, it's it's a new it's 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 not that new a concept in a sense. You know, like to actually learn about boundaries and as a te- as a school teacher, do they do they delve into that space at all, Jeffrey? Well, well, there's certain duties of care that you you know you've got to abide by, but but if but when you think about it, when you remember back to your best ever teachers, they're the ones who went above and beyond. Yeah, that's so they true. Came, but they weren't the ones who rolled in at nine and left at three. No, that's right. They're the, that's ones, right. They're the ones who give you their time. Yeah, and I work right. in that field now, where boys, you know, come from all over the place who who need time, and you've got to give time. But you know, you've got to to be able to weigh it up and and try and fit them all in and please everyone. It's hard. <laughs> Tell us a bit about the the Clontarf Academy for those who who've never heard of it. Um, because I've always I've always known that you've been developing boys um, and how how great a role you play at Endeavour High and and so forth. Yeah. But for many people, it's a it's a it's a new thing. But I, I was yeah. Know, I, I remember I was, I was I was speaking to Alan Wilson recently, and he said, "Make sure you hammer Jeff about 
the contact because they do so much good and tell him tell him get him to tell the story of how it all started and uh, you know how it was how it was how they used sport to to help indigenous you know kids to be interested yep, yep. In, in school but please you you tell us yeah no I, I work for the it's called the Contar Foundation and to give you a real quick history about it it's it's it started in the year 2000, so it's just on 20 years old now. started by a fellow named Jared Neesham. Now, Jared Neesham was a teacher, and he was also the first, ended up becoming the first inaugural coach of the Fremantle Dockers in the AFL. Mm. Obviously, footy in the West is, is predominantly AFL. And before he became a coach, he was a teacher, and he taught at at-risk schools, and it was Clontarf School, Clontarf College. And when, when he was there, Teaching was at risk, and he loved working with behavioural kids. And they were one to three, and a lot of the kids were Aboriginal. Anyway, he went. He went away from that. And he went into professional sport. He played. And he he came from a big family. His brother was a four-time Olympian water polo player. He played water polo for Australia himself, and he was, he played AFL himself. Then he went into coaching, and then he he finally got the gig at Fremantle. He coached him for the first three years, and they went pretty well. And when he got sacked, the uh, the Christian brothers who were running the school asked him. They, they knew Jared. This is like 16 years later. Could you come back and help teach? We need a male teacher. The brother there knew him, and Jared wasn't doing anything, so he was um, he was he was like commentating on the weekends and stuff. And so he said, "Okay, I'll come back and help out." And during that time, he'd been away. The school had morphed into an all Aboriginal school, so it was just all Aboriginal kids, and it had a population of about 50. And it was about to close. It was on its knees. You know, it had a retention of. They had a retention of 15 weeks. Every 15 weeks, there was a new lot of kids coming because they wouldn't stick, they wouldn't stay because school wasn't wasn't for them. And so what they, when he did come back, he said, okay, I'll help out for a couple of weeks. They said, mate, can you coach the boys in footy? And Jerry said, oh, mate, I'm not real keen to do that. I've just come off the MCG, blah, blah, blah. And you haven't even got enough kids to get a team. And they said, no, no, we really want you to do it. We think they'd like it. And, you know, like it's a big name, like a, like a Wayne Bennett here going into Redfern and coaching the kids in footy. Yeah, the kids would love it. Yeah. And Jerry said, okay, went down to the boys and said, okay, boys, listen, I'm here. You don't really want to be here. Well, I'm here to help out. I don't really want to be here either, but I'm going to coach you some footy on the one condition that you just come to school and have a go. Try at school and we'll do some footy and I'll arrange, if you do that, I'll arrange some games. And what he noticed is these boys changed their behavior through their love of sport mm. and love of the male companion of a role model to be around and hang around and listen to and hear his stories. Yeah. And these 20 boys stuck and went to the end of the year. And at the end of that year, like, he'd seen these kids and he raised them a game and they were going great and they'll turn it up each day. But they more loved, not so much the math and English, they just loved being around Jared and loved playing footy and loved having fun. And his kids were going to a private school over there, like a Joey's here. And what he realised was, you know, that a lot of the sport and a lot of the fun had been taken out of a lot of the school system in primary schools because... A lot of the men had gone out of teaching. A lot of the male teachers or primary school teachers you know, were females. Mm. So he said, we've got to get, to attract these kids back to school, we've got to get men in and around them and use sport a lot and use activities and games and creative stuff, which they're good at. And so he set up like a little academy at the school and the, the kids started to come. And he faxed out to the neighbouring school. So listen, if you've got any Aboriginal boys slipping through the cracks, we're running a bit of footy program here at the school. And... Out of the eight schools, he got 16 faxes back saying there's going to be some boys coming. And he said, okay, we're going to have an orientation day. We're going to play a game. We'll show them what we do here. They might want to come. Because, you know, they're falling out of school anyway. They're disengaging. And he waited for it. He went and told the principal, yeah, we've got these 16 boys coming. 
waited for these 16 boys to turn up. 91 kids turned up. Wow. From a 1,000 kilometre radius. Wow. So kids from way up in the Kimberley turned up. Because they heard Jared Neesham was a big name and there's footy. Blackfellas don't fax back, mate. If there's a game of footy, I'm in the back of the car and we're down there. Wow. <laughs> and so he, he filled the school. He filled the school at Clontarf and he started a hostel. And this, and this, and he only had visions to help this one school. That's all he was doing was helping the, the brother out who asked him to come down and help. He filled the school, and it was flying. Like it, it was a lot of bumps and you know, rocky roads and things to go over and a wild and all that type of stuff. But a financial backer said, "Listen, you got to go and see this fellow named Ross Kelly. Ross was the chairman of Frio when he got sacked." He goes, "I don't want to go and see Ross. He sacked me." <laughs> he goes, "No, no, no, Ross, you should go and see him." He goes, "Okay, he did." And as he says it, Ross is the, one of the smartest men you ever knew. He was, was an engineer and sat on the board of many multinational companies. And Ross said, mate, what you're doing is a great thing, and I'm willing to help you. But I'm an engineer, and what you've got to do, Jared, in the Aboriginal space is measure everything you do so you can show what you're doing is working. And, and as an engineer, that's what we do. We measure everything. So he measured attendance, and he measured retention. And he said, no, I've also got someone who might you know, invest if you go out to Kalgoorlie, because they've got a bit of interest out there. And he calls it his research. Oh, I only take a minute to tell you. He went out to Kalgoorlie, and he went to the local primary school and said, how many boys you got in year six? He said, there's about 31 boys in year six. And then he went to the high school, and, said, and he knew the principal, and he said, how many boys you got in year, year 12? He said, Jared, I haven't had one here for a while. Wow. And he went to the jail, and 90% of the inmates were Aboriginal men, and... Uh, and then he, he, he called his research, he put two and two together. If, if you fall out of school at a young age, regardless of your background, mm-hmm. well, your life's not headed in a good direction because mm-hmm. you become a drain on the town as opposed to someone who's going to help the town, who's going to work and be educated and get a good job and learn all those disciplines that you do when you're at school. Mm-hmm. And you get up to you know, you know either antisocial behaviour or welfare dependent. And, uh, and unfortunately, it's happened in a lot of area, our areas. And uh, and, and for our old people, not through their fault, you know, through what we've gone through, this has been a result of it. And um, and so we put another program out there and introduced sport and activity and fun and getting these kids to school. So he put the honey out in the school, trying to attract the boys to come. Fast forward, fast forward to 2020, we're in over 130 schools nationally with over 9,000 9, boys in a contact program. Wow. And that is 9,000 boys going to school, finishing school. So, And our stats read that we have over 80% school attendance and over 90% retention, so the kids keep coming back year on year and graduating you know, year 12s, you know, thousands now, as opposed to what it was in days gone by. Wow, that's, 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 inc- that's incredible. That, that's an incredible an amazing, story. Yeah, it's an amazing story. I'm so glad you – look, I, I did read um, – about it, and I'd, I'd encourage anyone who, who maybe wants to even help and and learn more about the organisation. If you go to Clontarf, which is c l o n t a r f dot org dot au, there's a lot about the mission, their story, and and uh, you know it's 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 just unbelievable the fact that so many of really those statistics are impressive. But you know what's impressive in that that will never really. Really, never really know the full impact is that the amount of lives you've saved from the from the yeah. boys, you know, not 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 yeah. taking wrong decisions down the path, and yeah, you know, well, the yeah, the, the, the health, you know, the, the boys going to jobs, go and, and what, right. and, we, and we and we and we and we track and actually 
the fact that we were 20 years, contact, we had a dinner for those first 20 boys just this year to mark 20 years. Wow. And I think 19 of them turned up. And pretty much, and it, and, it, and it typifies what the whole foundation is about, once those boys have gone to school and they get through and they get a job and be successful, you're pretty much certain that their kids will and their siblings will. Yep, yep. You've, so you're growing, the, you're growing the problem out from the bottom. Yeah. You're changing generations, really. It's not yeah, just, you it's just not one single it's, – it's a, it's a legacy you're leaving that will extend beyond that person 100%, 100%. That's right. And it was all – like, Jared's not Aboriginal, and he didn't mean to – he just fell into it, and it just organically grew, and it's still going, and um, – and still, there's still a need, so there's still more schools crying out for the program to come mm. into school. And, we'll, and as we go along, we'll eventually try and get to as many corners as we can and get to as many places that need we can, whether to just provide that extra wraparound support mm. so, the, so the, the young fellows don't fall away and become another statistic and end up in, incarcerated because uh, our numbers are way too big in jails and juvenile justice centres. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a, that's a that's a that's a concern, and um, you know, it's it's funny. Like blokes like yourself, and um, I've had a bit to do with the um, director Wayne Blair, who you know, probably Australia's one of Australia's best directors, Indigenous as well, and um, yeah, just the the heart that he has for his people to see them prosper and to and to not be a statistic. You know, it's 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 admirable, but they. Yeah, more needs to be done. So let's not stop it. Let's not stop here. But yeah, I encourage anyone, yeah. please, to have a look at um, at that website and 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 get in touch if if you're moved to to do so. Because who, who did you look look up to, um, Jeffrey, when you were when you were growing up? At, I guess as a, you know for rugby league, or I mean your, your dad Cole was he was he around a, a lot, or was he you know was he out and about a lot? Or but he was, he was both. So he was around a lot. He was always there for us. Um, and and you know and and his story was you know unique in itself. But like he grew up on the riverbank in a tin shack, dirt floors, no running water, no electricity. Wow! With eight sisters, three brothers. And like my grandparents were forcibly removed from a mission in Angleville to Brewarrina, where Dad grew up on the riverbank. And uh, and um, yeah, 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 rounded up in the middle of the night and moved. Wow! And. And then, and then I put on a mission at Brewana and I moved families from all over, from different places. I mixed, mixed up like the river people, like, as we say, the saltwater people, desert people, mixed them all in together on, on a mission and trying to, and took away a lot of their, their language and, and, and customs and ceremony. And so then my grandfather packed the family up and moved around the river and built his own little tin shack where they grew up. So he didn't hardly go to school much, but but he could sing, and and one and back in the fifties, there was a lady out there looking for Aboriginal talent, and um, and they said you should go and see this young fellow, Brie Warren. Well, he's singing at Walgett. He goes good, and and they spotted him, and they said, listen, we want to take you down and put you on a show, and he came down to Sydney to play in a show, and um, and it was an all coloured show. He still got posters about it, all coloured show, and played at the club. And a lot of times, Aboriginal people weren't even allowed in clubs. Him and Jimmy Little, like other pioneers of Aboriginal music back then, wow. and uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, and he and he stayed. He ended up staying. They gave him a job at Sydney Water to earn enough money to get himself back home for two weeks. And he stayed at Sydney Water for thirty-four years. 
Wow. And end, end up meeting my mum and bought a house in Cogra and we grew up there. Wow, wow. There was so and, much love in your fa- Sorry, keep going, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the fact, like, he just turned 80 last year. Wow. And, and still singing. And still sounds as great as he ever has been. He sounds unbelievable still. His voice is amazing. Wow. But he's never drank or smoked a day in his life. Wow. Isn't that, so, isn't that amazing? What, what an amazing, amazing story to, you know, to... It, it, did, you, did you, Do you think he suffered any impact from that? From Did he ever talk about any... He, he, tells, us, he tells us about the stories. Yeah, he tells the stories. But he, he, he holds no... You know, he said, you know, there's some tough people out there, bad people who treat us, their people badly and stuff, but mm. he harbors no, he harbors nothing against anyone. He just wants peace and happiness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was funny because he heard, I remember when the national apology came out and um, someone said, do you want an apology? He said, oh, he said, I don't mind about the apology. He goes, I just want to see water back in my river. Wow. That's beautiful. Mm. That's so good. That's yeah. amazing. That's that's you know that's because I didn't really know. I always I always knew like oh that's Carl. So, but people used to say to me oh that's Carl Hardy. But the more I got friends in the entertainment industry, um, the more I really became aware of like really what he, he was such. He's a humble guy, your dad. You know, he's humble yeah, for what he achieved. Yeah, yeah. And your door, the, the the door to your house and your family was always open. Yeah, it was always left open, and anyone could come yeah. in. And you know, so it was there's so much love in your family, Jeffrey. It was so it was very yeah. lucky. We were very lucky. Yeah, yeah. And our mum was obviously the back backbone and strength of our family, and yeah. the door was always open. And and we, we and we were a typical like we had a two bedroom sunroom, five bell house at Cogra, but but to to the people back home in Brewarna, that was amazing. So. Mm. All these sisters, and when they had kids and were wanting to get away, they'd come and live with us. So I just grew up in an extended family. I always had extra cousins living. You know, we grew up in double bunks, four in a three-by-three three room with me and my brothers, and always had cousins living with us wow. because they were coming down for an opportunity to get work or do something with their lives. So, and that was just normal, and that's how we loved it. <laughs> Far out. It was, it, it was there anyone that inspired you on to get into rugby league, like for your... Early part of your, yeah. your journey. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, we love watching footy. My dad loved watching footy. He, he, when he came down, he first loved the Tigers because they had a, a black fellow who played on the wing there named Kevin Yo Yee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we used to go was, to was watch Larry Collar as well, was he? And then, and then Larry come along, and yeah, we loved Larry. He was great. Jeeves. He, he was, yeah, and still a lovely fellow. Lucky that I'm you know, going well and speak to him. And wow. We went to watch him play all the time, and dad loved the footy, and we used to go and watch him. And then I was very fortunate that I, you know, I played at your same junior club and I had real good coaches and mentors coming through them. And Ron Pierce and you know, Warren Thompson and then, you know, then Brian Smith and just some real good people. And Bobby Landers who taught me how to train. And Bobby Landers, just wow. Real, wow. Just a real good mentor in my life. Yeah. That made me want to stick and do it. And some good mates who love footy and we just, Love being outside. I was only talking to someone else the other day, and we remember being back in those days how we just played footy from morning till dark yeah. down the park. Oh, down the park. We didn't have phones. We didn't know what to tell you. I know. We just were out and about. The door was open when we were down the park. Mate, you'd always yeah. you'd run out the back, and you're just like, you're there yeah. until your mum called you home, and it was just like, 
Yeah. You know, it's hard to yeah. it's, it's hard to explain to younger people what they what we feel feel they're missing out on a lot to be. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just rather, not only are, I know yeah, that this is a generalisation, <laughs> but it's like you know, it's, and and I've, look, I've only got a twenty month, twenty two month old, so. You know, you know yep. Presley. I don't really have a seat at the table yet, but but you know, like one of my friends' kids, you know, he's hooked on not playing video games. He's watching people play video games. That's that's what everyone's doing. They're watching people. That's, that's <laughs> I know. You're actually not even playing. You're not watching even, people you're play. Watching people play. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, come on. Are, are you for real? Are you for maybe? What do you mean? Yeah. I know. In, in many ways, you know, we've we've. We've got so much more Tech, in terms of technology. We've got more, but we've really got less. You know, right? you know, yeah. we've got less. I, I think in yeah. many ways, you've got to, you've got to really, you know, cultivate that. Um, be careful of that. Of you know, not stepping into that place where you you lose what we had, and that, because that's where dreams are made, don't you think? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, were you, yeah, were you out and about living in life and experiencing it? So were you at, at James Cook? Were you at James yeah, I went to James. So yeah. is that where you yeah. – did you did you suffer any sort of racism there? Was there any – Not a little bit here and there. You know, it would have been – it was about me, my brother, and another boy were the only Aboriginal kids in the school at right. the time. And, and back then there was a lot of, you know, it was Aussies and you know, Greeks and Italians pretty much back in those days. Yeah. And um, – and, um, no, it was James was pretty multicultural. So right, okay. It was always okay. You, you, you suffered your occasional, and always have along the way. But yeah, um, um, here and there. But yeah, well, no, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good to know. Because I was, um, I, th- I think you, you um, becoming one of the prominent players in in league when I, when when I was coming coming through, and I remember. Uh, you know, following following your career, and you know, you used to have the big shoulder. You used to have the shoulder pads as well. You're quite a men- <laughs> you're a menacing. <laughs> you're quite a menacing sort of sort of player. But but uh, you know, like we, I, I guess meeting Brian Smith is that we obviously you met him for the first time there at, at James Cook. Yeah, yeah. And then he for the first time. He was a, yeah, he was a real impact. He was like he was still playing for South at the time, and um, right. as a player. Right. And then he retired from that, and he was coaching us at school. Then he went into coaching, and he coached South twenty threes, and they won the comp. And then he got the first job at Illawarra as yes, a Steelers. That's right. That's and when, right. I left, when I left, so I left school. He got that in eighty four. No, I left school in eighty five. So, so I left in eighty four. He coached eighty three, eighty four, eighty five, and I went down there. So I went to uni and went to Illawarra um, with him. So it was um, it worked out really well. You know, he, he gave me an opportunity, and and was a great coach. And, um, Tactically, there's not there's not many better than Brian Smith. I've got to say, he knows yeah. the game like he just knows That's it. Right. He knows it. Yeah, he was he was he was excellent. Yeah, he was excellent. Way he knew the game, but just the way he could get players to play well as well. Yeah, to perform. Yeah, but he he was great. So he was a great influence, big influence on me all the way through. When you were at Saints, there was quite a, a a good presence amongst Indigenous players, and you used to have a he tells a bit about Curry Corner that time. Yeah, <laughs> because I thought oh, yeah, it I made like it such it. a difference, Jeffrey. Because I mean, when I spoke to Chalk, I rang him and I said, "What did it mean um, you potentially coming to Saint George?" And he said, "Well, I came because I knew Jeff Jeffrey was there, 
and it was he was my mob, and I just said I felt like home when I when I came and Jeffro was there, and I, it was like he 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 may not have even played for the Dragons. Um, I mean, Chalky would have chased the dollar. But I'm just saying, now he might not have been able to take it. That was the impact that you had, knowing that there was someone that could relate to his journey. Um, you, yeah. Panther, Ricky Warford being there. And there was quite a nice uh, contingent of really powerful players, really, that, that, that uh, you know, really changed the way I feel we played the game because you, particularly yourself, like, you had a, a flamboyant, I mean, you did all the hard work, but then there was this skill, this Jack and Jill that you had, man, that used to say, let's play some champagne football when, when things were going and just elevated the whole team. But tell us a bit about Curry Corner. <laughs> Mate, I, and looking back, our time at the Dragons was, was amazing. I was so fortunate to get to go to play there. And having Ricky there and and and, um, and then we used to get dressed in the same corner and then another couple of Aboriginal players come along and, and my brothers and were coming through with yourself and 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 then we had you know then Chalk and Andrew Walker and Gordy Tallis yeah. and Nathan Nathan Blacklock some absolutely outstanding players mm. you know and there was Cecil Heron and Ronnie Williams and Darren Keith we had we, yeah we had a big group we had a big group of Aboriginal players I used to pick him up for training jeez <laughs> and and and. And to go there, and, and, and for a young Aboriginal fellow to go there and have other Aboriginal fellow there who are comfortable, yep. there's a massive difference. Yep, yep, yep. And it made those boys feel comfortable straight away. And, and we were tight. But we were tight. Everyone was tight in the club. And that's yep. why we were so successful through the 90s. Yep. It wasn't so much the names on the roster. It was the spirit that we had at the club. Yeah, that's right. And um, it was a real family together, close-knit club with such good personalities, good senior players with a good blend of young fellas coming through and, and, and a great coaching staff and development program that we brought those fellas through. Almost in minutes. Yeah, yeah and, and there was, of yeah. course, uh, Q as well, who was... Uh, yeah, Stevie Quinn. Yeah, yeah Stevie Quinn. Who, who, who worked at the school, so he, who, who knew a lot of the boys. You know, at James Cook, so we knew a lot of the young boys when they were coming through as well. Yeah, he was great. He was he was he was a great, really, really so, nice guy. Too. Yeah. But Jeffrey, we almost got there. Ninety three. Um, if we can take people back, where <laughs> everything yeah. we were going in as favourites uh, yeah. against the Broncos, which is no mean, mean feat. But you know, the run into it, we, you know, we were we were really momentum was swinging our way. Then the second tackle of the game. I'd break my thumb, or well, I had compound dislocation. I basically me and Barney, Dave Barney, we pick up Glenn Lazarus, we drive him back, and then I look and half my thumb's gone. And then, of course, Mark Coyne tears his quad in the first ten minutes as well. Who's who's limping? Yeah. And then you yeah. get so, so. What was it like? Because you were you were on the bench, and then you get the call from was it was it the trainer said Jeffro, you're you're up in the front row. Yeah. Mate, it was amazing, and what a and such a shame for for us. You know, we, uh, such a great run through. We'll, we'd been there in '92, and this, and we'd come back in '93 stronger up here. And, and you know, obviously, you going down was a huge setback for us because you were playing so well and you're so dominant. Um, and that would have been a massive setback. And Corny, obviously, two of the most dominant players to to break down early is it would have rocked any team of any era, mm. and um, and. And mate, I got yeah, I got chucked on, um, and 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 did my best, and we fell short, which is a which is a, 
ashamed of it all, but it was it was huge. I just sat down and hang on, I'll straight back up. <laughs> Usually I come on after about twenty twenty five. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, one yeah minute, and I'll stay out there. One minute we were meeting Tina Turner. And uh, yeah. <laughs> do you remember all the boys were like gathered? She came in the dress. She came in. Do you remember the dressing room? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, it was it was mate. It was such a such a big it was such a big occasion. And uh, I, I remember uh, talking to Phil Blake after it, and I said, "Don't worry, mate. Oh, there'll be another opportunity." He goes, "Yeah, I said that because he he was he was involved in a very at a young age at a very, grand final with Manly and." This was only yep. his next one when it was possibly his last yep. last couple of years. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. I think because I was young, and you're thinking, "Oh yeah, we'll get there again next year. We were there last yeah, year." You right. know what I mean? But you just don't realize. You don't know really. Don't and when you get a bit older, you go far out. It's hard to make a grand final. Every so much yeah, has to fall into place. Yes, yes, it is hard to make, and you realize just how hard they are to get to. And then, obviously, to win one would be amazing again. But yeah, we really achieved really well to make it. I thought, you know, we're going, we're going great, and yeah, just a tragedy, mate. <laughs> well, you look at the Broncos side, mate. They, they pretty much, pretty much had an international team. Um, they of origin team. They did. They yeah, had a state of origin team. Yeah. Great team. Yeah, they were. They really were. So you know, you, you are right, but uh, you know, and then of course the pearl. Uh, one of your fellow indigenous players, yeah, <laughs> as yeah, as a blonde. Gee, he was good too, mate. Gee, he was, he was, he was fantastic. He was fantastic. What a player! What a, what a player! Now, now, mate, can I just before we go, I just want to talk a little bit because we, we we've covered so much. I could I could talk to yeah. you know for ages, but but I do want to. We've got a lot of similarities in our, in our upbringing, but but also you know I've got a sister with a disability, um, Vanessa, and uh, you know you've got a son. Many people might not know that you have a son as well. Uh, with the disability yep. and what, what, what's that journey been been like for you? I think I, I know there's been a lot of inroads um, been made since we were younger for people with disability, but um, you know it's still it's still a very can be a very challenging sort of road. Oh, definitely, mate. Well, my I, I, you know Anne and I were lucky to have four four children, and now Janae is our oldest. She's a, she's a school teacher. She's twenty five, but then our second boy, Jaden was autistic and we, we found out, you know, just after he was born. Um, so he was born in 90, he was there in 96 at the grand final, only a few months old. But wow. um, when he was two, we realized that he, that he wasn't, things weren't right. And he was, well, we, we didn't even know what it meant to be autistic. We just read a story, in a, my wife read the story in the paper about an autistic child. She goes, that's Jaden. And we're going, what, you reckon? Wow. We, yeah, and we got him checked out, and he, and he was he was right up there on the autism spectrum, and um, that changes your life on the on the spot, mate. And, uh, mm. and as you know, the, the challenges that that get thrown at you are, are immense, but you know you deal with them, you deal with the situation, and uh, you deal with it the best you can. And it's it's been it changes your life how you live it and what you do, and um, things are different, and um, you know he's. He's been really a real challenge and real hard work. Mm. And, uh, but uh, he's taught me so much as well. There's a lesson in it. You know, he's taught me about patience and tolerance and mm. and you know, material things aren't really that important. Mm. Um, you know, I just, I just, I'll tell you a quick story. I just, Please. he loves trains and escalators. He's he's a big boy. He's 120 odd kilos, close under the 30, and um, 
every year I take him away just on his own because he, he can't really do the family trip with him because he's so obsessed and does what he wants to do. And he loves trains and catching lifts. And he writes them all out in YouTubes. He can he works out exactly where he wants to go. And he goes, Daddy, we go to Brisbane. And he wanted to go to Brisbane for four days. And luckily we snuck in there just before the borders shut before Chrissy mm. to ride the trains. And we rode the trains for 14 hours a day because he'd mapped it out. He knew what he wanted to do. And we'd just go from station to station to station and catch the train get to each station, get off, go up the lift, down the lift, wait for the next train. Wow. And we did that for three days straight. And it was hot, like really hot. Wow. But that's what he wanted to do. He had it set. He wrote it all out. He knew it in his head. So he can catch trains. He knows we're just obsessed. They get obsessed with certain things that they just love and love yeah. the motion. Yeah. The feeling of the motion of being on the train but going up and down the lift. And we just did that and did that and did that. Like we weren't coming home until we did them all. Wow. <laughs> and and we'd be sitting at a station and the next train doesn't come for half an hour. But So you learn that I could see, sometimes you can see the next station. There might be just 800 metres down there. Oh, come on, mate, we'll get an Uber. Mm. We'll, 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 I'll pick you back there, whatever. No, <laughs> no, no way. You can't change the routine. Yeah, you the, the routine. The routine is and important, they, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's just like that obsession, obsessive compulsive behaviours that they have. And mm. That's just an example of what you, what you live with. And a lot of people, Jeff, find that... They don't really understand. They they won't understand unless you've been through something like that and the on the the the, the daily the daily stuff. You don't under you you don't understand. No. You don't. No. I've got to say, with all the the initiatives um, that have been made with NDIS and all that, I, I still find you're dealing with services run by people that actually have never experienced what we've experienced. No. And that makes no. it that makes it a real challenge to be honest with you. It is, and, it, and this, it's a new role now. It's brand new, so it's yeah, you're fighting for the funding to help him. And mm. like we finally got him moved into a home mm. after 20 years. Wow, you know, and um, and it's still a battle. You know, it's still a battle. He still runs off and takes off and catches trains, and I get called and. I try and intercept him in the city somewhere and track him down and find him and bring him back. And, wow. wow. Yeah, those things. Like, and like sleeping after he'd moved out, I heard a noise. Normally, for 20 years, it's just automatically wake up because, you know, growing up, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, he'd just get up and just walk out the door. Could be three in the morning just to look at the stars or go somewhere or do something. Or, <laughs> and wow. so. He, you wake up at night and you realise, oh, he's in his home, I can go back to sleep. <laughs> you just don't realise. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. wow. Was, yeah. It, was it? Was it? Was there a, a time where you guys had to, you and Anna to say, you know, came to terms with the fact that he's going to lead, you know, a much different life and in a way, yeah. you know, which is, there's a loss, there's kind of a loss associated with the life that yeah. you thought they would lead. Yeah, yeah, yep. And, you, and yeah, you, you've got to you come to terms with that. You know, it's um, you get put in a situation, and it's it's how you respond to the situation. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And you realise that, like, he's still like a three year old. I've been to more Wiggles concerts than anyone uh, in Australia. Oh, really? <laughs> we, I mean, he loves the Wiggles still. He loves he loves dressing up. He loves the little kid stuff. He's still like a three year old in a front rower's body. 
Yeah, right, right. Um, and you realise that your life's just going to be totally different for him. So yeah, now we're working hard to have life set up for him. So yes. when we're gone, his siblings don't have to. They still look out for him, but they don't have to take on the burden of looking after him. Yes, yes. And yeah. and, and we say burden, and it's not like it's not a burden. It's not no, a burden, no. but 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 the the huge no, but the huge responsibility. You know, I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But mate, I think look, Jeffro, I think you so we didn't even touch on the Australian Indigenous Oztag team that you which is an amazing initiative. Is that still is that still Still mate? going, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in two thousand seven they with Oztag big sport have been involved in it's pretty much like footy but with tags. And um they yeah. have You're speaking yeah, of the guy who played the first game, mate. Yeah, I know, I know, we remembered it. Do you remember that? Very yeah, it's very sad of it all. <laughs> we still played the first ever game and I thought Oh, no one's going to play this, man. This is shocking. Like exactly. <laughs> now it's everywhere. Well, they, have, they, have, they have World Cup. So World they have Cups. World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, New Zealand, all the Pacific Islands, Japan, South Africa, England, Ireland, all come and play. <laughs> and, and, and Perry said, would you like to put an Aboriginal team? I would love to. Oh, that's and that so was, good. That's, so the first one they had in 2007, I took two teams to New Zealand to play, all Aboriginal teams. It was amazing. Oh, and, and from that, and then we had one... In, in 2018, and I had 18 teams from under 16s through to over 50s of all Aboriginal players, giving them a chance to represent their culture on an international stage. Isn't no other sports ever done it. No other sports ever done it. Isn't so the first time we marched in with 30 people. Next time we marched in, like we the march to start with over 300. Wow! So it was a really proud, proud moment. Mate, it's so good. I mean, you've you've. You've contributed so much, you know, to, to this world, not only to your family, but but to beyond. And I, you know, I've got to say, mate, it's just been such a great honour for me to to chat with you and and talk about, you know, because I remember just when I rang Chock and when I said, "Hey, mate, can you would you be happy to talk about Jeffro?" And he goes, the, "The excitement in his voice, honestly, was like Jeffro." Oh, like I, it was almost like I wouldn't have been playing football if it wasn't for Jeffro. I wouldn't have, and that's what you meant to a lot of people. And you paved, you've paved the way. Um, really, as, as I said, as a pioneer, you've come off the back of some great players, but really paved the way in this and in many, many other uh, areas with the Clontarf organisation, mate. You've, thank you so much for the work you're doing there, and I just encourage people again to to look up that website and 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 check it out and spread the word because it's it's something that we should be getting behind and. You know, we want to see more. We want to see more of that. So, uh, mate, I really, really appreciate Jeffro. I know this is your your holiday time. You're a busy man. You've got so many initiatives uh, going on. But yeah, thank you so much. No, thank you so much, mate. I've, I've been lucky, you know, and I've and when you've been lucky and you've had, you know, I consider I've had a good life. It's, you feel compelled to give back, and um, yeah, yeah. And and we've got our program here at Endeavour because we have a you know, an Aboriginal boys hostel off the road. We get kids from all over come yeah. down to come to Sydney so and come to Endeavour. So, you know, they're coming down to my my, you know, my area here, my country, and you feel compelled to make sure they, they have the best opportunities they can and to help impact and make a better Australia. Oh, mate, you've done that and, and more. And, and thanks, everyone, uh, for listening as well. Uh, if, you, if you miss us on a Sunday night, just to let you know, you can... You can also listen to Sunday mornings, 5.30 to 7am in the morning if you're up early like I am with a 22-month-old. Uh, you're more than welcome to, to listen to a replay of the interview. But also, 
It's on TCH Digital and the 1170 SEN app. You just go to catch up and we've got all the interviews there that you can listen to and I hope you've been enjoying the show and if you've got anyone that you like me to interview, please just send us a note and we'll, we'll try and make that happen. But thanks again, Jeffro. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Have a great week. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com. I've been Jason Stevens, and this is the Spirit of Sport.